Hey, this is Bruce Abbott. And my name is Ray Shillings. Welcome to Ad Speaks Houston, a podcast produced by the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter, featuring the inside scoop on advertising and marketing with guest interviews with some of the brightest minds in advertising. Every episode, we explore current trends and topics and the latest news and events in our ad community today, no exception. We are going to meet, and you are going to meet, Joe Biondi, account executive, underwriting and sponsorship with Houston Public Media. This is an organization here in Houston that is doing so many things through television, through streaming, through podcasting, through radio, of course, as well. Joe's a fun guy, and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to meet him. American Ad Federation Houston is busy as ever as we mm-hmm. roll out of the summertime and into the fall, and I just can't wait for the fall. Uh, so September luncheon is going to be the Houston Ballet, a beautiful dance with a 50-year-old brand in Houston. And uh, this is coming up on the 18th of September. It's at the Junior League, of course. And you're going to have a good time there. You're going to meet the folks with the Houston Ballet and all of the great things that go with it. And we're wearing tights and tutus that day. So that's going to be... Oh, wait, no, no, no. Okay, maybe... No, no you're not. Sorry. No, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, but Alec is a little distracted because I saw the word Oktoberfest. Oh, Oktoberfest. Yes, it is uh, coming up Wednesday, October 9th, AAF Houston Oktoberfest with Printing Industries of the Gulf Coast. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. We'll have more details coming up here on the website, but mark your calendar, October 9th, 2019. Several years ago, we took first place, the first place trophy when we played golf at the Cinco Ranch Golf Club, the golf club at Cinco Ranch. And we didn't cheat. I swear to God, we did not cheat. No, won the long distance and drive and everything like that. So the 2019 Houston Media Classic Charity Golf tournament benefiting AEFH scholarships is coming up on October 24th. Now, we should be at least under 100 degrees uh, during that time. (laughs) But this is the golf club at Cinco Ranch. And many years ago in a Metro uh, golf tournament, we actually won first place at that uh, tournament. Man, wouldn't that be great if we happened that happened again? It's going to be good, though. And this is something for you. You play good golf, that's okay. You play poor golf, that's even better because all it is is about the fun. There's prizes for the longest drive closest to the pin. Uh, closest to the pin should get a pair of new glasses. Longest drive should get a putter or something like that. I'm sure. <laughs> but so the most important thing is the charity be component there, of that. And, uh, you know, because it really does do a lot to benefit the, the kids uh, coming up here. I say kids, but, you know, with these, uh, the, the kids coming up, we do have the uh, AAF Student Conference uh, and competition. That's going to be Friday and Saturday, November 1st and 2nd at the Marriott West Loop there in the Galleria area. Um, the registration uh, the deadline is coming up October 25th. Uh, October 11th is going to be your deadline to make hotel reservations. If you need more info, you can email adclub at aafhouston.org. It's always a great event, and they are the shining stars of tomorrow. They're the folks that we need to make sure are prepared and, and, and well-versed in what they do. Here's a guy who is well-versed in doing what he does best, and that is called broadcast. His name is Joe Biani. Joe Biondi is an account executive and underwriting and sponsorship type person at uh, NPR here in Houston, which is Houston Public Media. And uh, Joe is also a brand new member of the American Ad Federation Houston. And he's on the board now. You've got an important position, a very important position, Joe. Is that right? Uh, they, they, they pay you the big bucks for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting on that part, but... <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. don't expect a check, baby, because it's not coming anyway. <laughs> no, soon. no, no. You know the thing that fascinates me. My, my background is radio, and uh, I love radio, and uh, and so does Joe. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, 
Joe's father's cousin was a guy by the name of Dick Biondi. Now, the Biondi name in Houston? Beyond, yes. Beyond name, well, Biondi name in the country uh, because Dick Biondi used to be, uh, what was it, Joe on the Big KB? He was on, he was on CKL, oh. wasn't he? He was everywhere. Yeah, he, he actually, he, uh, CFL, w, uh, WLS, uh, the Big KB out of Buffalo. He started, coincidentally enough, in Alexandria, Louisiana. That was his first full-time air position. And uh, went from there back east and then uh, ended up on KBW in Buffalo and then signed on uh, what became uh, WLS, the rock and roll flamethrower. I think yeah. it's at 890 a.m. Uh, in May of 1960 uh, when they switched it over from the Prairie Farm Station. Uh, at the time, it was owned by uh, Sears, which is why they got the call letters WLS, which stood for World's Largest Store. And uh, he was the first rock and roll disc jockey. Uh, he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Radio Broadcasters Hall of Fame. And uh, he just recently came off the air at, at 80 plus years old. Um, I talked to him not too long ago. Uh, he's doing well, but as you can imagine, he's, you know, he's getting on in years, but he's had, I mean, what a, what a life, right? Oh, yeah. What a life. Did, 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 is that something you got you interested in getting into media and, and radio and such or what? Um, yeah. When I was a young guy, you know, my dad told me that, you know, his cousin was a disc jockey. And, you know, when I was growing up here in Houston, I was listening to Barry Kay, the Boogeyman and Captain Jack on 610 KILT, uh, Jolly and James, Stevens and Pruitt, Hudson and Harrigan. You know, I, I was just fascinated with radio. And then at night I used to go to sleep listening to the CBS radio mystery theater on my little AM radio, uh, transistor. Dun, radio. Dun, dun. All right. And then I, I grew up, my dad was a big fan of, uh, Stan Freeberg and, um, all of those old, uh, you know, audio comedy guys. So that always filled my head and I, I was not good at sports cause I had a, a really horrible uh, problem with one of my eyes, which prevented me from having depth perception, which, that comes in handy if you're like shooting baskets or hitting baseballs. So <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, it's over here. No, it's not <laughs> yeah, it, I wish somebody would have figured that out before I quit. But, um, so, uh, I, I was just fascinated with radio. And, um, uh, when I went to Texas tech in 1980, I walked right into the station up there and said, uh, you know, I want to be a disc jockey. And they kind of looked sideways at me and, uh, a few months later, after reading news and whatnot, I got I got to start to do a, as, as a music jock and then rode that for 12 years until I came off the air at the end of 1992. Wow. So mm -hmm. big background there. Go for it. Right? I love it. You were mentioning the uh, the Houston uh, radio things. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny for me because uh, guys like Hudson and Harrigan, Captain Jack, Rick Candy, I got a chance to work with those folks several mm -hmm. years. So here in the Houston market, um, with Houston public media. So how exactly is Houston public media a good fit for this market? I mean, especially now at this time. That's a, uh, a really good question. Um, in my mind, you know, I came from the commercial side of radio and then I had at one point switched over to cable TV and uh, advertising sales and management. But I've always had a had a, a, an ear bent towards, you know, the programming and the product side of things. And I've always... If, if, if I can say I've been one thing relative to the on-air guys that I worked with after I came off the air, which is I was very respectful of what they did and how they did it. And I understood their lives and, and you know, and, and, and all the energy and creativity that goes into doing that well. Um, and, and so I worked in radio when Rush Limbaugh was blowing up, you know, uh, in the early 90s. 
Um, and I, I saw a, a sort of a polarization of the, the media start to take place. So my heart's always been in the programming side of things. And when I was interviewing to, uh, for this position here at Houston Public Media, um, I've always been a fan of NPR uh, for, for a number of reasons, but mostly because of the long form stories and, uh, you know, the, the, the more or less, uh, anti-bias, you know, middle of the road reporting that you can get. I think it's as close as you can get anywhere. Uh, and then I was a huge fan of PBS, uh, TV eight when I was growing up, cause that's where I saw Benny Hill and Monty Python and Nova and science and all oh, of these yeah. other things. So when I was interviewing here to uh, answer the question was that, I told my boss that, you know, the, you, you may not like what you hear on public media, but here's the thing. Nobody's screaming at you mm-hmm. because that's what really has, has kind of frosted me on, on what I see on TV and what I hear. And in some cases on radio is just this unending talking over one another and the loudest guy in the room makes the point. And I just, I don't hear that on public media. And I think that allows us uh, to have a, a venue where, you, again, you may or may not agree with the opinions expressed, but you have the chance to hear them and you can agree or disagree, but nobody's yelling at you at the same time. I mean, media's really changed in the last five years. I mean, when you think about what you were just saying, yeah, that, I mean, just it, it's okay to just come on there and scream at each other and, and nobody takes turns. And <laughs> But, you know, speaking of changes, how has Houston Public Media changed over say the say the last five years well i've i've been in the chair here two years and prior to that i was still living in albuquerque so what i understand of the history from what i've been able to glean is that um as it moved into a more news focused product um the the radio station that i remembered when i was going to u of h and when i uh, when i left houston uh in 1980 was was you know, music at some times, news at another time. Um, it was kind of what might be considered a, a you know, a, a, a middle of the road format or, you know, full service format, you know, that there was classical music during the day and, you know, there was uh, news in the morning and in the afternoon and maybe a local program here or there. But uh, as, as public radio has evolved uh, and you see more stations around the country going to a full news product, that's where I think Houston Public Media, News 88.7 and uh, NPR found itself going and then decided to, to do that as well as it can be done. Um, Houston's a big market, you know, the number four or five market for radio in the country. Um, so this, this station plays a role uh, and has, I think, a very vital role in the, the, the dissemination of information. And uh, as we saw with Hurricane Harvey, which happened prior to me starting here, um, the station played a critical role in getting information out. So it, it, it's very much a part of the fiber of uh, Houston media. And I think it's evolved as, as public radio has evolved uh, around the country into more of a purely news uh, product that, that, that serves a very uh, important purpose. I think you're absolutely dead on uh, right for that. It, it is indeed a part of Houston, and it shows it every day. And I love also going back to what you said earlier as well. It is a not a sophisticated or stuffy approach, but it's an intelligent approach to talking to the listeners, which I mm-hmm. really, really appreciate because I, 
I believe that some other types of talk shows do dumb it down basically to uh, to to speak to a, a mass. But uh, you, you say the course there, and that's an important thing. I want to ask you something, Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Beyond the Billion campaign, it's in the news. It's a big thing right now. Does Houston public media see any direct benefits as a result of that? And if not, well, why not? <laughs> you know... That's a really good question, and I'm not as familiar with the the campaign as I should be. Um, I, I I know that um, the, the, there's a there's a a thought out there that you know the government supplies the majority of our funding, right? Um, yeah. And that gives people a platform to beat up on public media that, you know, it's taxpayer funded and it doesn't express my opinion, yada, yada, yada. The, right. the reality is, is that it's less than 10% of any operating operation, but operating budget um, uh, for any public media uh, uh, outlet and, and specifically for here at Houston public media. So we are very, very reliant on, you know, subscribers and sponsors and underwriters. And so the, 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 that, is a huge campaign. Um, uh, I don't know how that all splits out, and I wish I could give you a, a more lucid answer, but I I don't want to say something that is factually incorrect. So I don't want to duck it either, but <laughs> I want to be honest with you. You kind of did a good just job of kind it. of Just spin it that. like the politics. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. you know, uh, well, I was going to ask you this because you know, obviously, Houston Public Media depends you know a lot on the national efforts of. NPR. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a local media in, in the mix? I mean, how important is that local media to your efforts, especially when it comes to underwriting? Well, there's a there's a, a, a newsroom one floor above us where there is 17 local reporters uh, and a news director and uh, a digital team. And uh, so we have reporters that work beats like old reporters or, you know, the reporters of, uh, of of the days gone by do, uh, and they are very dedicated to, uh, you know, doing journalism the way journalism should be done. <clears throat> so what that affords us here in the underwriting and sponsorship side of things is that when we go to uh, our clients and we say, would you like to, you know, underwrite and sponsor Houston Public Media, and then we can give you mentions on our on our air, there's a, a great mix of the, uh, the, the product that's nationally uh, originated like uh, you know all things considered and morning edition um, uh, BBC for instance and then we have local hosts that um, you know are, are are helping to weave all of that together with the local newscasts that we get in the mornings and the afternoons um, and, and so it, it gives us a platform to have that local content to have that local um, feel to to uh, not only what goes out on news 88 7. Um, but also in the case of TV8, when we do locally produced uh, vignettes, for instance, for like the upcoming Ken Burns country music um, uh, 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 documentary that's coming up, you know, we've produced small uh, interstitials and vignettes which feature local artists doing country cover songs. So we have that local presence, which I think is critical for us to then bring to our clients um, and say, you know, by sponsoring and underwriting Houston Public Media, uh, not only are you supporting this product here, but you're getting this audience that supports people that support Houston Public Media. Um, so it's a very symbiotic and, and um, uh, you know, very powerful relationship. I think that that local programming and that local focus brings to uh, the efforts that we do here in underwriting and sponsorship. 
And plus you guys, I mean, you've got a very creative staff there. What kinds of new ways are you able to engage underwriters kind of beyond that, that traditional method? Well, we, ha- um, th- that's uh, uh, good timing on that question. I spent several hours yesterday preparing to do uh, uh, a download for one of the local agencies here in town, the advertising agencies. Um, you know, there, there's always a perception about, you know, wherever you are, there's a perception that is some person's reality. And when I came to Houston Public Media and started digging into what I call the toolbox of what we have to work with, um, it, it occurred to me very, very fast that my perception was was incorrect. Uh, there are so many tools and platforms that we have to use. For instance, we have locally produced podcasts uh, with Houston Matters, Unwrap Your Candies, uh, Party Politics, uh, Encore Houston, uh, for instance, that we can use for local underwriters. Uh, they, they can sponsor those. Then we also have the the local newscasts. We have Marketplace, which comes in nationally. Um, um, and, and so we have national platforms. We have local platforms. We have our digital platforms. Within the digital platforms of HoustonPublicMedia.org, there's a whole slew of uh, places that our, our underwriters and sponsors can can you know put uh, either website advertising. We're not advertising. It's not advertising per se, but they can put uh, messages up there, which help drive people back to their websites. And then on TV8, uh, you know, with the local production of uh, like the interstitials and the, the local sponsorship of country country music by Ken Mearns, we can uh, dovetail into that programming. Um, so the, the the platform in and of itself is much broader and much deeper than I think that the, uh, the perception is out there in the advertising community. Uh, and so that's part of my job is to help educate people on what that we do bring to the table. And that's a lot. I've always felt that uh, Houston Public Media, NPR for that matter, has always been kind of the, the grandfather of, uh, of the podcast format. In other words, NPR always went out, to, told a story, went a little bit more in depth, again, with a, a sophisticated but not stuffy attitude, uh, an intelligent attitude. And, and really, when you look at all the podcasting that's going on today, uh, it, it really sounds like an, an extension of what you guys do. Mm-hmm on the air. So I was really excited when you talked about that. So you are taking the things that you have on the air and you're going well beyond that. And does that also relate to sponsorship opportunities for a Houston public media? Yeah, it does. Um, uh, one thing I forgot to mention is that we also have the ability to, uh, geo target national podcasts, which are generated from PRX, which is the public radio podcast producing wing in New York city. Um, so our, our local sponsors can, you know, be in front of some of those nationally, uh, oriented or nationally generated podcasts as well. So that does provide me opportunities, um, to go to my clients and prospects and say, okay, what is it that, you know, you're, you're looking to accomplish with your underwriting and sponsorship and how then can we take the pieces of this puzzle and put it together so that it, it, uh, it, not not only are you going to reap the benefit of supporting Houston Public Media, but the the listeners and the viewers of Houston Public Media do support the supporters. So in, in that kind of reciprocal way, you know, I bring a value back to the uh, the, the the sponsors and the underwriters to you know, uh, I, ideally help them with their goals, whatever their goals may be. So I, I say a lot of my job is to go in and uh, you know be a uh, uh, a doctor, if you will, and ask a lot of questions and, and see, you know, what, what, what solutions or what, which problems I can help address 
Um, I found in my years in commercial media that at some points, some of the people that I'd worked with would just say, here's a package, take it out and sell it. And what I found with doing things like that, in some cases, not all cases, it was to solve a problem the radio station or the TV uh, network had, not necessarily a, a problem that the client had. And I found if I have any success or any expertise at all, it's going in to discern what it is that a sponsorship or an underwriter in this case would uh, would would need to solve and how can we use our tools then to help affect that in a positive way. You know, there's something about NPR and, and you know, even those programming, the programming that you guys have that, you know, just seems to really connect more with listeners, maybe more than, than other types of programming. Why do you think that is? Is it, is it that it's, a lot of it is the storytelling component that, that we love to listen to stories? Um, is that maybe what makes it so special and such a good outlet for the listeners? I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, part of the appeal, uh, again, is that it, it's, it's a conversation. Um, podcasting, I think one of the reasons podcasting has really exploded is because it's bringing back the art of conversation. Um, uh, a friend of mine runs the iHeart Media uh, stations in Salt Lake City, and he and I were talking about that. That you know the the art of conversation is is coming back because you know we're in a kind of an information truncated society. You know where you just get bits and pieces here and there on your smartphone or or wherever. And uh, the the way that NPR puts the product forward uh, with long form advertising, not just twenty second news bits, but you know let's take two, three, four minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, dig into the story, do some research. Um, you know, interview people, uh, edit it, put it together. I think it's a much more respectful presentation of information uh, primarily. And then because it is respectful of the listener's intelligence and their engagement, that th there's that bond that happens with, uh, you know, people like myself who've been fans of public media forever and ever because I could listen and I could form my own opinion and I could take the information in, agree or disagree with it. Um, but it, it, it wasn't being shoved down my throat. It was being presented to me and in, in a respectful manner that I actually have my own brain and thoughts and things like that. So I think that's a large part of why there's a huge engagement. I did a, uh, a research piece last year for something we were doing here, coming at it from my old programming brain uh, when I was on the air in media in, in radio. And I looked at how many people prefer News 88.7 uh, as a percentage of our audience, and then how many people listen to us exclusively. And the most recent numbers I ran just yesterday were like 83, 84% of our audience prefers us first. 27% listens to nothing other than Houston Public Media, News 88.7, which as a programmer is nirvana. You yeah, want oh that yeah. sort of engagement. You want that sort of loyalty. Um, and in doing that, you, you get stark raving fans and that just makes everything work better. So I think I, I sorry, I'm kind of rambling on here, but I think that is part of the appeal, uh, and the reason for the engagement and the loyalty that you hear. And that so now I have to, I have to ask what, what's some of your favorite programming on there? Oh, it's going to, it's going to sound silly, but wait, wait, don't tell me. Of course. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, it, it, it's, it, we, you know, my family had this uh, little tradition, our Saturday morning with our, with our car guys, 
Yeah, uh, you know, click and clack, and then and then into wait, wait. Don't I know, tell I know, me. I know and the guy died. Okay, but can't you bring him back? I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. Well, so, yeah, so, yeah. Everybody loves wait, wait. Don't tell me. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just. But uh, yeah, so what are what are some some of your favorite programs? Maybe maybe some of the national programs, maybe some of the local. Well, programs. Uh, yeah, uh, locally, I love listening to Houston Matters. I think Craig Cohen does a phenomenal yeah. job. Um, yes. And um, you know, David Pittman is our morning show host. He you know, he, he weaves that tapestry together between NPR uh, and uh, Morning Edition and the, our local stuff like like a, like a, an artist paints. Um, so when I, where I really became a fan of uh, NPR was with um, uh, Afternoons, Morning Edition, All Things Considered. Uh, years and years ago, I became a fan of All Things Considered, and that's what sucked me right into it. And then... Uh, you know, as I moved back to Houston and got involved with Houston Public Media and, you know, started listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me uh, in the mornings when I go out for uh, what I consider a jog, most people would consider a fast walk. Um, you know, I have my headphones on and I'm listening to uh, Morning Edition. I love listening to Marketplace because uh, you, you get some really kind of uh, solid economic news, um, you know, that, that, that's, that doesn't have a political agenda behind it. Um, uh, so those would be the, uh, the, 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 the places where I, I hang my hat right now. Um, I love listening to think in the Texas standard, uh, which are statewide, uh, you know, programs that uh, we're a part of with the Texas public media network. Um, you get to hear what's going on in other parts of the state. You know, Houston is so big, it's hard to keep up with everything going on in Houston, but sure. Texas like a whole other country. I don't know if you've ever thought of that, but um, you know, there's, there's so much going on around the state and those, those particular uh, uh, Texas public media statewide uh, newscasts are really awesome as well. Yes. But when will KUHT bring back the classics, the Monty Python? (laughs) Well, you know, Who's come back? All right, Joe, how much money is it going to take, baby? (laughs) You know, I just, I recently, uh, even though I think I've had access to this for a while, as a as a contributor to Houston Public Media and TV8, I have access to what's called Passport, and Passport is an archive of public media or uh, you know uh, NPR programming. I haven't looked to see if uh, Monty Python's there, but um, <laughs> uh-huh. you, you gave me a job for tonight. I'll go back and and you know call the app up and and take a look and see if it's there yes. because. Please let us know that, okay? We're growing, growing up in Houston as a kid, that was like the closest thing to sneaking in and watching a radar <laughs> movie was to be able to catch Benny Hill and Monty Python after mom and dad went to bed. Oh, I watched it with my dad. I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> oh he was probably a progressive family then. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So we, your cousin, dad's cousin, probably. Yeah. Shh, don't tell mom. <laughs> yeah. So he, you know. You, you're a perfect fit for this job, aren't you, Joe? I and mean, this is like the, this was made for you. It feels like doesn't it, it? it? It's been, uh, it's been. They, they've given me uh, a place to land because I came to Houston without uh, a job when we moved back here. My wife and I moved back uh, uh, just a little over two years ago. A lot of family things were happening. It was just time to get home. Um, but that was the only thing where I was like, hmm, I've never done that without a place to land. So. Um, Houston Public Media uh, gave me that that opportunity, and then secondarily, 
And just as important, I think, is uh, joining the Advertising Federation um, gave me the opportunity to network with people in the industry. So in, in a pretty short time span, I've been able to get to know a lot of people in the in the market. And that's that's helped me out greatly with uh, what we do here uh, and, you know, help help me understand Houston and the media market more than I have. So uh, I'm grateful to not only Houston Public Media, but the Advertising Federation for, you know, being so welcoming. And uh, you got to my next question here. You are now a very active member on the American Advertising Federation Board. You hold a title. You are a secretary. <laughs> well, yeah. Title. yeah. Talk well, about your talk about your experience so far, Joe, and 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 why why you came to participate as a board member. Um, I, I again knowing that I needed to network when I got back to town. Um, I went to several Houston Business Journal events. Um, and, uh, I, I looked up the Houston ad fed and, and I said, well, I've got to go, you know, I've just got to start meeting people. Um, I, I knew a lot of people that knew a lot of people in the radio world and TV world when I came to town. Um, but that was still two or three degrees of separation. And I wanted to, you know, shake somebody's hand and get to know them personally. So I went to my first ad fed luncheon probably about two years ago and stood there like a, you know, like a fish out of water. I was just like, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know what to say. And a a woman from uh, KTRK, and I'm forgetting her name, was kind enough to come up and introduce herself. And that started the ball rolling. And I got to meet her. And I started collecting business cards and writing thank you notes. and, And then I started volunteering for anything that they needed help with. And that led to volunteering for two of the ad American Advertising Federation Awards uh, and, you know, just getting involved there. And then somebody said, well, would you like to come on the board? And I said, absolutely. You know, let me, how can I help? And so that was the entree onto the board. Well, I, we love having you there. Uh, and thank you coming off of, we, we just had an event today. We're recording this. Uh, and, uh, we had an event today, uh, that was so cool yeah. and it worked so well. And I, I get the vibe and you tell me if, if I'm wrong, but I get the vibe that this new year, uh, John Manlove as our uh, CEO, you know, chairman and such. Mm-hmm. This is going to be one heck of a great year. Don't you feel that, Joe? I do feel that. And I'm, uh, as a semi-musician, I was in a band for 30 years as well um, in in Albuquerque. Um, and I've had the great fortune of playing in front of huge crowds and small crowds. And just uh, music has always been a passion of mine. Why does that relate to what your question was? Well, I've always known that uh, sensing the energy of an organization is primary to understanding whether or not it's going to make some some difference. Um, and so I've always tried to tune in to the energy of, uh, of my clients, for instance, and the organizations that I'm with to see where that energy is calibrated. Because when the energy is high, when there's th- that just that that, you know, kind of drive to make it better, um, things do improve and I really, really feel that now this year with the AdFed that there's a lot of commitment with the people on the board that want to, you know, bring the programming in like we had today, which was just crazy good, and 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 then involve more people in the advertising community, and you know, figure out what the next iteration of it is. You know, how how, how does the Houston AdFed then get on the map nationally as the the guys to watch? And you know, that may sound like a big, hairy, audacious goal, but you know. Like Casey Kasem used to say, you know, shoot for the moon. 
And even if you miss, you're among the stars, right? So, you know, let's think big and let's think creative and let's go for it. So were you a student at U of H? For a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up going to Texas Tech. Um, uh, I graduated from a uh, straight Jesuit in 1979, uh, went to U of H for a little while. Um, wasn't quite a fit for me. So I, I went to work. I'm going to name some things that people may remember. Cutter Bill's Western World on Westheimer. I worked there for eight or nine months. And then I went and worked oh. offshore for uh, Western Geophysical uh, and then went to um, Texas Tech, came back, went back for another year. I worked uh, my second summer offshore as well. It was a great job for a young guy that uh, was trying to figure out his path in life. And then uh, from there, uh, you know, got involved uh, in the radio business in Lubbock, Texas. From there, went to Austin, was there for a couple of years and then Beaumont for a little bit and then went back to Albuquerque. And I came off the air after four years in Albuquerque. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my educational path, uh, Houston or University of Houston, then Texas Tech. And then I you know, took some classes at University of New Mexico, too. So I keep I'm, I'm on the 20 year plan. It's it's kind of funny. It has all come full circle. Yeah, you're back and home, baby. Back home. So one yeah. hey, one last question, dude. When you were in the band, did you have hair, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how long I was in the band. When I started in the band, yeah, yes. I started with hair. Yeah. And uh, now when we play, I wear caps. So there you go. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that was your answer. Joe Biondi is an account executive, underwriting and sponsorship, Houston Public Media. Yay, Joe. Thanks for being on the board. Thanks for being uh, uh, here here at the podcast today. And we're going to do great things coming up in 2020. Thanks a bunch. Looking forward to it. Rain Bruce saying thank you so much for listening to Ed Speaks Houston. Be sure to check out the AAF Houston website at aaf-houston.net. Also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or others if you haven't already. That way you never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. If you simply tell a friend about the show and share it on social media, that would be very so nice. Oh, so very nice. Copyright 2019, AAF Houston, all rights reserved. Join us next time for another episode of Ad Speaks Houston.